my gals, and welcome to this audio. Today, I want to dive into some of the content that we're going to be working on during week two of this program and that we're going to be tapping through during the live call on Monday. So week two is all about resistance to emotions, and I feel like it would be helpful to really chat through this important topic and uh, have a, give you a little bit more previous to the live call so that if you have questions or you notice things showing up for you, um, you've, you have information ahead of time and just a little more time to digest it. So fair warning, this audio is loaded with content. It's a lot to squeeze into one audio. So if you feel overwhelmed, feel free to break it up into smaller chunks or listen to it a few times to get the hang of these concepts. This may not be any news to you. Um, You may be very comfortable with this type of content, but I just want to say that ahead of time so that you know if you feel overwhelmed, just turn it off and and come back to it. So as far as emotions, um, you may be wondering, why are we talking about emotions when this program is about blockages to health? And the answer to that is your body is a responder, not only to foods and substances, but also to thoughts and emotions and self-beliefs. And I found through the years of working with clients and with myself that it's so important to explore our relationship with emotions as we are working with our, um, our physical body issues because they're often inextricably linked. And uh, often our relationship with food and with exercise, they all boil down to these emotions and these self-beliefs and these thoughts that may not have been processed. And um, so it's, it's actually rather humorous to me that working with emotions is a large part of what I teach because about 10 years ago, I was one of the most emotionally unintelligent people that I know. I did not understand what emotional intelligence was. I didn't understand how to work with my own emotions. I was suppressing and repressing, and I had a very unhealthy relationship with food and eating disorder. And and um, none of that, in my opinion, had much to do with the physical food stuff um, because I obviously, as, as you all know, um, had a pretty healthy, uh, you know, relationship with nutrition, doing a lot of the right things in the food and exercise realm. Um, I just did not know how to work with my own emotions, and um, I had lots of beliefs about emotions and lots of um, thoughts that that would keep those emotions pressed down. And uh, I believe that that is a cause of a lot of the challenges that we face. And that's why it's really, I think, important to process our relationship with emotions, our resistance to them, to kind of unpack this whole topic. So you, you might ask yourself the question, what is my relationship to my emotions? Do I feel comfortable with them? Do they feel inconvenient, maybe? Do I feel at a loss with what to do with them? Do they feel wrong? And all of these questions are so important to process because they will kind of shed some light on maybe what physical issues you're dealing with or emotional issues that, that, that keep coming up. So we're going we're gonna to just um, talk a lot about emotional intelligence the lack of emotional intelligence, um, how, what that, that does to your physical body, 
and we'll talk about how to process emotions and what triggers are. And so we're going to be diving into all of that in this audio. So when I say emotional intelligence, what is that? What does that mean? And my top three definitions of emotional intelligence are um, the ability to discern between a past trigger and a present situation. So we have these things that happen in our lives, and sometimes it's just a present situation. Like something happens, and it just kind of sucks, and we don't we don't like how it feels. And but it's just the present situation, and you move through it, and it's fine. And sometimes we have um, a situation that has is bringing up some big emotions for us that has very very little to do with the present. It is an echo of the past, and I'll talk more about that. But emotional intelligence is the ability to discern between the two. The second thing is emotional intelligence is shortening the reaction time to things in your life. So we all feel reactive. We'll have bursts of of frustration or anger or sadness or stress. And what emotional intelligence does when you're able to know how to process your emotions um, you're, you're able to shorten the reaction time. You're able to, to go from being, you know, sad or angry or whatever, you know, for, instead of being sad for several hours or for a whole weekend, you can shorten that to a, to a shorter amount of time just by learning some of these tools. And, and I'll talk later about how that affects your physical body. And um, emotional intelligence is also the ability to know when to really dive in and process some of those negative emotions or, you know, and when to let go of them and to tune into the positive truth-based emotions. Just as a side note, I I don't like to use the term negative and positive quite as much. Um, I did use it just there, but, but I, they're not so much wrong or bad, you know, or it's more so, um, they are maybe healthy versus unhealthy would be a better way of putting it. All right. So the lack of emotional intelligence, being comfortable with our emotions, knowing how to process them will manifest in very destructive ways, which I discovered kind of, um, in a, uh, surprising way for myself, um, that what really got me searching after, becoming more emotionally intelligent and understanding how to process my emotions was dealing with the, my eating disorder. And, um, so, you know, for many people, they'll, they'll notice that, that, um, or many people discover that the lack of emotional intelligence will manifest with addictions or obsessions like substance abuse, which is, you know, food, alcohol, drugs, emotional eating, um, unhealthy associations to food, like food cravings. And so they'll have be a physical thing that we can fixate our attention on that takes us away from actually feeling what we need to feel or what we don't know what to do with. And then you have the less obvious things like um, being overly competitive or, you know, religious performance or excessive shopping or, you know, the OCD, obsessive controlling um, of of whatever it is. And those things are also um, a way to get out of actually feeling what we feel and processing what we feel. So what happens is if we are not processing what we're feeling and we don't know how to work with emotions is all of those emotions literally get stored in the cells of your body and they will manifest in physical conditions. And there's a lot of research about this, but you'll see things like chronic fatigue, 
digestive issues that won't go away. That was one of my issues. Um, excess weight, you know, the body holding on to toxins because of some trauma or some sort of ongoing trauma. Um, chronic physical pain, such as headaches or joint pain. And it really could be anything because the emotions um, will, they, they basically provide information to the nervous system to say, here's what you um, should do or not do. So if these are toxic emotions, unhealthy emotions, fear, stress, shame, guilt, and those get stored in our physical bodies, it really could manifest in a bunch of different ways. And in my opinion, um, they this is why we potentially have so many new issues popping up all the time. It It, it is partially due to the vast amount of toxins and EMFs and, and all of these these environmental toxins and food toxins and that are in our environment. But I think the other element is that our world has become very complex and there's lots of things that have been suppressed and repressed and shut down. And so we don't we're not as in touch with our truest nature and who we really are. And we have all these emotions we don't know what to do with. And so then the body manifests that frequently as some sort of unnamed illness, unnamed, you know, the science can't quite put a name to it yet because it really hasn't been um, fully researched. And I think so much of that has to do with not being able to know how to process what's going on inside of us. And so in my opinion, emotions are either here as messengers to wake us up that something needs to be changed, or they are simply toxins, you know, emotional toxins, thought toxins, belief toxins that need to be cleared out. And what I think would behoove us to do, rather than condemning ourselves or trying to fix our issues, is to seek to understand what's going on underneath this surface manifestation, underneath this physical body issue, underneath this addiction or this need to compete or this obsession, to understand what's going on underneath it. Because symptoms are messengers to to say something, something needs attention. And when we give it our attention, just like a child who's like trying to get your attention, trying to get your attention, and you, you don't listen, you don't listen, you don't listen, it will keep trying to get your attention until you listen. And once you listen, then it's like, oh, okay, all's good, and we can move on. So um, let's talk about a little bit more about why we would resist our emotions, because that's an important piece of this, and then we'll talk more about the emotions themselves. So if you experience a little bit of resistance to feeling what you what you feel, you are so not alone. I feel like I'm kind of the queen of, um, of resisting feeling what I actually feel for many legit reasons. And uh, so, so let's talk about those. Um, and the reason for resistance is that your subconscious mind's number one job is to keep you safe. So if your subconscious mind senses that your emotions might mess things up in your world, it might rock the boat or it, it might not be um, good or healthy or comfortable, you're going to feel some sort of inner pushback or resistance. And again, these are legitimate reasons or there's legitimate reasons for these pushbacks because we have lots of programming that comes from our childhood about how to process or not process emotions. Because remember, your subconscious mind begins picking up on 
beliefs and ideas and emotions and ways of seeing the world from the time that you're conceived until the time that you're about five or six years old. So literally, based on your past programming is the lens with which you will see how to handle or not handle emotions. So in the past, you might be programmed to believe that it's not safe to feel what you actually feel because maybe you feel like you're going to hurt someone that you love, or you might feel like emotions are inconvenient. They just get in the way and it's better to just ignore them. Or it's not okay to feel because you can't trust your emotions. So you should just get over it and get on with it. And, um, there could also be something like emotions are just painful, you know, emotions such as grief or shame or fear or guilt, they're hard to feel and they hurt sometimes. And so often at a very early age, we make an internal decision or vow to not feel what we actually feel. So this, this decision that, that we make early on could be conscious or it could be subconscious. So if it's conscious, psychology calls it suppression. And suppression is just stopping yourself from thinking you're feeling something. And um, like you're trying to hold back your emotion, like, you know, like bite your tongue. So you notice it, but you purposefully push it down. And on the other hand, it could be unconscious or subconscious. And that's called repression. And repression is pressing something down without even knowing it. So it's, it's remains in the, in the subconscious. You don't even know that you pressed it down and, and it's almost like a knee jerk reaction. So that's, that's repression and it is unconscious. And, um, so while we're going through this program, if you're surprised by a memory or an emotion arising, maybe, and maybe it's something you, you didn't even know that you felt or you thought, haven't thought about it in years and you didn't expect it to have any sort of emotional charge. Uh, that's totally normal. It's a good thing. Just allow it to happen uh, because there's so much going on in the subconscious mind. And when we know how to work with it, not overanalyze it, not give it you know, all of our attention, but know how to process it, um, then we can actually really healthily process um, those emo- emotions that might have gotten stuck in our subconscious mind. And we can begin to understand more of why we feel what we feel and um, have a better relationship within our own selves. I like to think of working with emotions as almost like how you'd handle physical cleansing. So if you've ever done like a physical cleanse, like fasting or detoxing, or you had juiced, you know, um, done like a juice cleanse or something like that, anytime that you aren't eating any, um, any foods that are processed at all, what typically happens is that your body goes into a detox or cleansing mode. And it, it isn't that you're necessarily doing anything to your body. You're creating space for those toxins that have been, in a sense, asleep in the cells and the tissues and the organs of your body. What they do is they basically wake up whenever you give your body the space to cleanse. So you're not putting all of those addictive substances or those, um, you know, processed foods in your system. Instead, you are, you know, you're drinking water, you're drinking green juices or what have you. And so the body has space now to cleanse these toxins that have basically been asleep in the cells and tissues and organs. So you're not making your body cleanse. It's just now has the space to actually bring things up to the surface. So it wakes those toxins up. 
And as it moves through your body to get to the elimination organs, like the lymphatic system or the, or the, the large intestine, the colon, to be cleared out, um, what's going on is you feel worse before you feel better. You feel the the toxins like coming up to the surface and sometimes you feel angry or irritable or sometimes you feel headachy or tired or lethargic and and um and so you have to just allow the process to happen you have to allow yourself to just move through it you can't manage it you just have to walk through it you have to allow yourself to rest and allow yourself to cleanse and that's just a very natural part of the process But on the other side of cleansing, you feel so good. You feel so light. You feel so clear, so clean. And the exact same thing happens on an emotional level. Whenever we start to create the space, which is what I'm doing in this program, I'm creating the space for whatever emotional toxins or thought toxins or belief toxins, they're ready to clear out of your system so you can have more healing and freedom in your life. I'm creating this space here and giving you the tools for those things to come up. And and they're meant to come up to come out. They're not meant to come up to um, make life hard on you. They're just meant to come up to be released. So if you think of this work like emotional cleansing, then it it can make a whole lot more sense um, because that's basically what is happening. Now, the way that that happens is that I'm purposefully in this program bringing up certain triggers um, and I'm bringing up certain topics that would be a trigger for you potentially. Not all of them will be, but some of them will be. And, um, and, and these triggers are basically creating the space for this belief or this emotion to come to the surface so that we can process it and we can clear it through. So what do I mean by trigger? So trigger is just something happens that causes you to feel an emotion of sad, stressed, angry, anxious, or it causes you to to have a memory that comes up that's maybe a negative, um, quote unquote, um, association or memory of the past. And um, it's not necessarily, whatever's going on isn't necessarily about the present situation. It's about something that happened in the past that was unprocessed. And that that whatever happened in the past that was unprocessed caused you to, in a sense, trap or absorb an unhealthy emotion, thought, or belief. So, so I'll bring these things up. That's why I have you think of something that it may bring up some of these toxic emotions because we're basically opening up this space to process uh, those emotions and thoughts and memories out. Okay, so. Um, Sometimes you'll know where it came in as I'm walking you through this process. Sometimes you'll understand like, oh, that belief or that emotion or that cluster of emotions came in at this time in my life when I went through this really challenging situation. You'll be able to identify that. You'll be able to identify the emotion. You'll be able to tap through it. You'll be able to clear through it. And it's great. Sometimes you won't really have a clear idea of what's going on and why, but it's okay. You don't necessarily have to know. Your subconscious has a a lot of um, amazing intelligence, and if there's something you need to know, just trust the process. You will know. Um, But the thing of paramount importance is that whatever it is, you have the tools to process it. What I mean by processing it is allowing yourself to actually feel what you feel, and tapping can make this process go so much faster. So emotions are meant 
not to, they're not meant to be trapped inside of us. They're meant to flow through us. So something happens in our life and we feel really sad about it, or we feel really angry about it. And, um, you know, children, by the way, are really great at this. They're masters at processing emotions because if you've noticed, especially a very young child, they, they fall down, they get hurt. Um, they feel sad, they cry, and it might be about 10 seconds later and they're off to go play again. Right. And we, we, um, don't, as adults, we know that we can't, you know, throw a fit or immediately cry about something because we have to adult, you know? And so we, we, we tend to not process it at all. So it's very, it's very helpful to have adult, uh, processing strategies so that, we don't um, suppress and repress and trap all these emotions in our bodies and never actually process through them. So remember, emotions have a shelf life of about 90 seconds to two minutes when they are felt fully. And that's the key there, felt fully. Um, if you are able to like really dive into the emotion, feel it fully, then usually it doesn't take very long for it to like, process through and clear out. But if you don't process it, it gets stuck inside of your nervous system and it can stay there for, you know, hours, days, weeks, months, years. This is why you may have, you may know people who had a traumatic incident happen 20 years ago and they are still talking about it or they're still stuck with it. They're still feeling it. It's still affecting them. It emotionally branded them and they have never been the same since. It's because that those emotions and those beliefs and whatever they absorbed during that time literally got trapped and never got to process out. And of course, this, this physically affects the body. So we want to help the emotions processed through. Now, um, back to children um, being, being really good at processing. We are naturally good processors. Um, we're built that way. We, we, we are born knowing how to healthily process. What happens as we are um, getting older is that we are observing the way our parents or our caretakers or people we respect handle emotional situations. And depending on their level of health with emotions is probably going to be the level of health that we have. Um, now, we're not stuck with that, but that typically is our basic programming. So those questions that I asked you at the beginning about, you know, what's your basic relationship with emotions? Are they comfortable? Are they not comfortable? Are they, con- are they inconvenient? Do they feel wrong? Most of the, the programming that we get um, around emotions have to do with usually our parents um, and our caretakers and the people we respect or want approval from in our lives. And, and just as a side note, you know, if you had parents who were not emotionally intelligent, did not know how to work with emotions, suppressed, repressed, and you're realizing that, just remember it's not their fault either because, you know, back in the time of, um, you know, like our parents and grandparents, there was not a lot of support for emotional help. It was basically more of a survival mode. Um, maybe kind of moving out of a survival mode because people, you know, many of our grandparents went through the depression and it wasn't, there wasn't extra bandwidth to process emotions. Um, there is a lot about survival. So, um, I think it's important to honor what our parents and our grandparents have been through, but also to acknowledge that we want to stand on their shoulders and move forward. And that there are many, many tools that weren't available in the past that are available to us now so that we can, we can really make these huge 
um, strides, these huge leaps in in our uh, health and in evolving as a being. So um, it, it, it at least will help you understand maybe why you process or don't process emotions or why you feel about emotions a certain way based on your parents or caretakers and, and how they handled them. So I hope this is all making sense to you and uh, that it's, it's bringing some awareness to emotions. And again, the most important reason to do this is the more aware you are during this program of your emotions, the more that we can really healthily process through some of the blockages to food and, and exercise and forward, you know, moving forward and, and, and things with your health. But we have to work with the, any resistance or any blockage to emotions, to feeling them, to processing them, to knowing how to work with them first. We have to do that first so that you'll have a greater amount of success in the program and, and comfortability with knowing how to work with these, these crazy things we call emotions. So the way I'm going to help you do that is um, in the next couple of days, you're going to be getting a new EFT tapping exercise, and it's called What to Do When You're Triggered. And this is the tapping exercise that I want you to use whenever you feel that trigger. So it could be something that comes up on a live call that we don't get to cover, or it could be something that happens during the week. You're like, man, I'm triggered in this moment and I really need to work with um, my emotions here and I need a tool. It, it can be in place of your meditation if you wake up feeling kind of out of sorts. So this is a new tapping exercise that you can use at any time. It's going to be in your Dropbox called What to Do When You're Triggered. And I'm basically going to be leading you through three rounds of tapping to help you understand um, what's going on or just at the very least clear through some of the emotions so that you feel lighter and more peaceful. Now, I will say if you get to the end of that tapping exercise and you still feel really triggered or maybe it brought up more emotions or memories, what that usually means is that you may want to consider getting like a one-on-one -on -one session and you can do it in person or via phone if you're out of town, but you'll want to get a one-on-one -on -one session because there may be some angles of this that I'm not able to actually thoroughly cover in a generic tapping audio. So I just want you to be aware of that option if you need it. It's always available. You can just box for me and set up a time because when you get to the end of a tapping session, the, the point is to be able to come back to a state of centeredness and peace, you know, at the very least, if not feeling really open and, and joyful. And um, that's what we want to do. That's the that's what we want to get to. So uh, that's available to you. Also, I want to answer a few questions that have come up so far in the program. And, and by the way, if you're if you're taking time to Voxer me with questions, I love it. Keep them coming. This helps me know where you're at and how to better support you. And um, so that's that's awesome. And I'm so glad that you're investing in yourself and really taking the time to to notice what's going on inside of you. All right, so one of the questions that came up with the EFT tapping is if you can do it either sitting or lying down. And my answer to this is I think it's preferable sitting up just because sometimes if you're laying down, it your body's in more of a position where it just wants to go to sleep, so it's harder to concentrate on the emotions. But if you're trying to go to sleep, laying down while you're tapping is perfect because it will put you to sleep really fast. 
Um, and then also people asking about either side of the face, if it matters and it does not matter at all, you could start, let's say on the right side and tap through the points and then switch to the left if you wanted. Cause especially when we're doing our live calls, we're doing a lot of tapping. And, um, if, if one hand gets tired, just switch to the other one. So you can switch at any point. Doesn't matter. Um, some people like to do both at the same time. That's not necessary. You can do it if you want and it makes you feel good, but it, it's not really, it doesn't necessarily provide extra credit. Okay. Another question, um, was about the core meditation. If you're supposed to have some sort of target and, uh, that's a really great question because the core meditation was designed as kind of a general tapping to do like first thing in the morning or, you know, before you go to bed at night, it's pretty general because we just go through the layers and you just notice the sensations or emotions. Um, in a sense, you want to get a target of, um, like if you're tuning into your body and you notice some like tightness or stiffness that is kind of at the top and kind of bugging you, that would be your target. Or if you tune into your subconscious and you notice um, some emotions of maybe stress, that would be your target. And um, But not to be confused with, like if you're really triggered, you may not want to do the core meditation. You're going to want to do this new one that I'm about to send you, the what to do when you get triggered. Okay, so those are the questions so far. I hope that's helpful to you. And any other questions are um, totally welcome. So again, Monday night's call, 7.30 Central Standard Time. We'll dive right in. It should be about an hour. Feel free to, to always chime in and ask any questions that you have or send them to me ahead of time. All right, that's it for now. Lots of love to you all, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.